everyone, and welcome to episode 8 of Verbal Processing Unit. My name is Jeremy Coggins, and I'm a youth pastor who also likes to dabble in tech, games, and really anything else that piques my interest. Uh, thank you everyone for coming back and listening to this episode of uh, Verbal Processing Unit. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to have you all back. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, something very interesting. Um, I'm talking about <laughs> millennials. Um, so last week, Friday, um, uh, some of you Christian Church held our uh, held uh, our Dad Challenge conference, uh, where we uh, invite dads and men to come to the church, and we uh, interact together and have speakers come in designed to encourage and challenge dads to be better dads. Um, I'm not a dad. If any of you is thinking about that, I'm basically doing sound. But I like to go there to to listen because I interact with dads a lot, and it's good to um, be involved in that kind of thing. Anyway, so one of the speakers uh, was a sociologist who was talking about uh, generations. He was kind of pointing out what defines each generation, uh, matures, boomers, Gen Xers, millennials, and Gen Z. Um, and kind of going through and talking about um, where where the cutoffs for them are and, and what what uh, they are. Uh, and when he got to millennials, um, I, I I've well, I found out that I am a millennial. Um, looking looking at his thing here, um, millennials are those who were born between 1981. In 1996, so that's me. I am smack dab right in the middle of that. I, I am a millennial, um, and that's. Uh, it was a little bit of a surprise to me, mostly because many people have don't really agree on what a millennial is, or there's been some confusion as to what actually defines a millennial. Uh, people say it's those those that are in there their early 20s well I'm kind of in my late 20s those that that um, went through went through high school in the early 2000s well I went through high school in the late 2000s um, and you know it's just some of these things so for me it's like am I millennial am I not a millennial I'm not not entirely sure um, and I've I always kind of associated myself with not being a millennial because a lot of a lot of the things that people seem to talk about with millennials didn't really resonate with me or was kind of insulting and so i i, I always and part of it is because uh if if i am a millennial um there's a certain group of people that will automatically not want to listen to me because they have certain expectations of what they think is going to come out of my mouth. Uh, and as somebody who is al already uh, the youngest person in leadership at a church, I already, I already struggle with people not taking me seriously uh, because of my age, because of how young I am. And we can point to when Paul tells Timothy about not letting people look down on you because you're young. That's, that's a struggle already in and of itself and adding the the stigma of being a millennial on top of that uh is not very encouraging 
Um, and it certainly doesn't make things any easier. So it was a little bit of a shock to me to learn that I was a millennial um, because all that all that stuff that I just talked about just kind of landed on me and it, it shook me it shook me up more than I expected um, because well even recently I've been having issues with people not listening to me or you know not taking me seriously in fact that day um, I was in the middle of a conversation I was literally in the middle of a story and I had somebody interrupt me and just butt in and go with something else uh, because I was <laughs> right in the middle of me talking. Um, and so that's that's the kind of thing that, that at least me, I struggle with. And adding the idea of being a millennial on top of that, I, I feel like there's a lot more expectations on me now for how I am supposed to act for and how I should act. Um, or how they expect I should act and how they think I should act. I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, and me, my my natural inclination is to be me harder. I don't know if that makes sense. I, I kind of feel like I that I feel like I've been a weirdo all my life and I kind of embraced that a long time ago. And so just being me, whether other people think that's me or not, that kind of thing. So, so this is interesting. So I've, for the last week or so, I've kind of been mulling over this and thinking about it and, and, um, thinking about some of the things I could talk about or write about or some things like that. So what, what I want to go through is I want to go through the, this list here of things that he has and kind of talk about, um, how it affects me, how, how close it may be to me, how close it may not be to me. This said, well, just kind of help me process through um, how much of this is stigma, how much of this is, is the way I was raised, and how much of it is new and that's okay. Um, so uh, millennials are those between born between 1981 and 1996. I was born in 1998, so that right smack dab in the middle. Um, and for each generation, he talked about formative events. So these are um, really big events that that define that happened um, during the formative years of somebody's life. Um, <clears throat> so uh, elementary, middle, high school, and the grade school years. Um, so these are things that happened during the formative years of their life that were really, really huge. Uh, the first one is that of the internet. One of the things that millennials are, are, uh, are blamed, not blamed for, but m millennials are accused of is, uh, needing, can't, not living without the internet. Um, and, and because it's something that we literally grew up with. It's, I, now, I sort of grew up with it. I mean, we got, we first got internet when I was in, I guess when I was in elementary school, but I do remember a time when we didn't have the internet. Um, and when we did get internet, it was dial up. And so you couldn't use the internet without connecting first. Um, and you couldn't stay on long because it tied up the phone line. We, and you know, some people were able to 
get a second phone line specifically for internet so they could be on longer and not have to worry about not receiving calls. Uh, but not not us. So we could only be on for so long. Um, and because, well, I was young, so I had to ask to get on the internet. And we I literally had to ask to connect to the internet. And I couldn't really hide it because when you connected to the internet, uh, the computer made a, a, a long string of audible beeps and boops and things like that and grinds as it was connecting to the internet. Um, so I couldn't hide it. I, I couldn't like try to sneak on because the computer would make noise. So um, I couldn't get on the internet all the, all that I want, all that I wanted when I was younger. And I, I think that helped, that has helped in how I use the internet now. Now I use the internet a lot. Um, it's very useful and I find a lot of things and I do a lot on there, but I don't necessarily just sit and what we'd say, chill on the internet. Um, no, I, if I'm on the internet, I'm, I'm doing something or I'm communicating with somebody. Now that a lot of what I do is on the internet now. And so I do spend a lot of time in front of the computer, but going like when we go up North to where my, uh, uh, in-laws cabin is, I get one, maybe two, two bars of, of service in a couple of spots. And it's enough that we can, we can stream some music and maybe look at emails and stuff, but nothing, nothing crazy. So a lot of the time I have no internet up there and I'm, I'm totally fine with that. That's, that is okay. And I am, I don't necessarily need to look at every notification that comes across my phone. Um, it drives some people crazy. You know, they'll hear, uh, I'll get a text message or a Facebook notification and I'll just let it sit there. That, that doesn't bother me. And uh, people around me are like, are you, are you going to answer that? And I'll say, no, I'm, I'm busy. I'm not, I'm not going to acknowledge it right now because I'm doing something else. I'll get, I'll get to it later. It's okay. It's, it'll still be there. Um, and so I, th- I think how my parents raised me there is, is what has helped me have a, a, a more healthy relationship with the internet. Um, another formative event was the September 11th attack. Um, and that is, that is definitely, uh, it definitely was one for me. I, I specifically remember that day I was in seventh grade. I was in class. Um, and the teacher got a call and, uh, this said, oh, something happened and they turned on the TV and we just watched the news for a while. Um, and I knew, even though I didn't completely understand like the financial uh, ramifications of that, um, I, re- I remember specifically looking at the screen and saying to myself, this really isn't good. I mean, this is, this is really, really, really bad. This is going to change a lot of things, um, which it did. Uh, and and a lot of how stuff works now is in reaction to what happened on September 11th. Um, so yeah, I definitely remember that. Uh, he's got a slide here talking about that millennials have recently become the largest of the five generations. So the five are talking uh, matures, baby boomers, Generation X, uh, millennials, also known as Generation Y, <clears throat> and Generation Z. Um, and I, I think he, I think he said that it happened last June, something like that, um, where the baby boomers are, are dying off and, 
uh, millennials are are now the largest of the five generations. And I think we can definitely see that with how how um, commercials are. I, I noticed last year that commercials that how commercials are being made is changing or the or the what what content is how commercials are showing things changed last year or throughout the year they, they became a little different and and I, I began to point out to people it's like I don't know if you guys noticed but the, these commercials are now starting to specifically target me or us or like the millennial um, that that they're how how they the kind of people they put on there the way they're dressed the kind of music um, more and more mainstream commercials are beginning to tailor to millennials and because of this this makes sense um, marketers are probably the most professional sociologists on the planet um, at least as far as where trends are going um, because that is their entire business um, knowing knowing what people want and what they like and what they desire and um, how they take in information and then using that information to better sell what it is that they're selling, better sell their products. So they, they have their hand on this and they saw this coming and have all, and began probably even before then to redraw and, and, and put out new commercials that, that better spoke to my generation. Um, so I thought that was, that was really interesting. Um, he has a list of things that, that millennials grew up with, like Barney, uh, cell phones and pagers. I never really had a pager, but, uh, my first cell phone, I didn't get until I turned 16. So I, I turned 16, I got my driver's license and I got a cell phone. Um, so something I was able to to, you know, as I'm out and about, I was still able to communicate with home. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, absolutely. Pokemon, I never got into the, it was more of a, it felt more like a fad when it first came out when I was in middle school. Um, but I've certainly played several of the video games and I like that kind of video game. It was a, uh, uh, turn-based, um, fighting game where you would, you would, you would run around and you would, uh, uh, encounter, you encounter a Pokemon or a trainer, and then it would go into the battle sequence, and they would they would um, they would introduce themselves, yada yada yada. Well, then they would decide who would who would go first. And so, if it was me, I would say, okay, I have to choose my if I was going to attack or defend or use a potion or or an item or something like that. So then I would use it. That would happen. Uh, and then based on the stats of the of the Pokemon uh, would determine whether um, the hit was effective or not. Um, and then the other the other Pokemon would attack or defend or run away. Um, and we would do that until I knocked out the Pokemon or until they ran away or until I caught it um, or uh, the other trainer ran out of Pokemon. So I like I like that style of game. Um, yeah, I remember Britney Spears, Beanie Babies. I had a couple. Um, I was never really into them. Uh, there was a kid in my class um, back in uh, middle elementary school who really, really collected them, and he had a lot of, lot of uh, more rare ones. Um, and sometime he had a he had a house fire uh, and lost a lot of them, which and lost 
lost a lot of the really, really valuable ones. That was, um, so I remember some of that Spice Girls. Uh, I was never really into Spice Girls. That wasn't my cup of tea as far as, far as music. Internet, again, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. I was a Mark McGuire fan, and it was because of Mark McGuire that I liked the uh, the St. Louis Cardinals for a long time. Bill Gates, well, yep, Microsoft, and boy bands. Definitely, definitely boy bands. Now, a lot of people can can point to um, uh, NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, um, but I remember, uh, of course, listening to Christian music, it was True Vibe. It was... Um, I don't remember what the other one was. True Vibe was the one that I liked best. Uh, but there was there was another one that I can't remember. Anyway, so this next section that he has here was uh, talking about the tendencies that that millennials have. Um, now, he, he, he was very... Th- these are all general. Um, so when you look at the entire generation overall, there's a tendency for, for these. So not all of them will apply to me. Some of them will definitely apply to me, but looking at, you know, the trends in this generation, this is, these are the things that they tend, tend to be. Um, so they tend to live in the moment. Uh, I, I understand, I understand that, but I've, I've, I think that's something that I've always been, uh, mostly just because I like I like being interested in what I'm doing, what I'm what I'm doing right now. No, and I, I maybe that's just because of you no know, being a kid. Um, that's that's what you do. Um, but growing up, learning to you know plan for the future, uh, and dealing with what's in the past. Um, was something that I had to learn to deal with, and I think that's part of growing up. Um, is is understanding that the future is coming and the past is staying where it is and le- knowing how to knowing how to deal with that. So so in a, I, 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 I understand my tendency to live in the moment, but I don't think that is what defines me. Uh, the idea of I can o- I'm only thinking about what's going on right now because t- tomorrow is tomorrow is always in the future and the past is always behind me. I don't, I don't, I don't think that way, um, but I can, I can definitely see how I would tend to live in the moment. Um, millennials tend to rely on the immediacy of technology. Um, sure, yes, uh, I think rely is a little strong, at least for me. Um, the immediacy of technology is very convenient, um, and I have embraced that convenience. Um, and how, how I work, how I communicate, um, how I look for things, how I get things done. Um, being able to have, that's, that is the, the, um, the allure and the beauty of a smartphone is you have the entire internet in your pocket. Um, all, all of your information right at your fingertips so you can access it right now. Um, so being able to answer an email, uh, being able to take a phone call, being able to look up, look up a question that I have, or, you know, Hey, who did this? Well, I can look that who, who, uh, who played this person in this movie? Well, I can look that up, uh, being able to, to fix computer problems remotely. Uh, I can do that. The, my, my phone is the avenue with which I can 
do things immediately. Um, I, the idea of relying on it makes it seem like I have, I have to, I can't live without that. And that's not, that isn't how I feel about it at all. Um, I am, I am definitely okay with doing things that take time. Um, I like projects. I like building things with my hands and these things don't always happen right away. I am okay with taking my time and doing something. Uh, if you, if you look at my, my Instagram, you'll see that I built a lamp out of a guitar. That took me a good week to do. Uh, I had to figure out how to, how to get the guitar apart and how I was going to do it. That, that, that took uh, an entire week, uh, several afternoons in a week to get that done. I'm very proud of that. And that's something that I, I, I could have just bought on the internet, you know, talking about the immediacy, um, being able to go online and just, just buy it and have it here. I don't need to have that. There's there's an incredible amount of convenience in having that stuff available, uh, but I don't I don't think it is something that is required or I feel is required for me to live. Um, it's more of a convenience. Um, next one: social media is the organizing tool for personal interactions, day to day communication, entertainment, and shopping. Yeah, yes and no. Um, I've got a very interesting relationship with social media, partly because of my job. Um, I, I use social media for communication with my job. So um, I don't tend to use it pers- in my personal time as much. I've, I've started to use it a lot less now that I've got this job. But another part of it is... Um, the the conversations on social media aren't necessarily incredibly um, enlightening or uh, thoughtful. Um, there's a lot of noise and a lot of shouting and a lot of people just um, pointing out their their opinions, and that's the only p- opinion that counts. There's there's a lot there's a lot of division on social media, and it's it's very toxic. It's part of the reason why I stopped watching the news because the the news became that way and it was all sensationalized and I I can't stand that. I hate it so I stopped watching the news. Well, a lot of my a lot of my social media is like that. A lot of the things that people post in my feeds are a lot like that. They're very sensationalized um on on one side or the other. Um and so I I don't go on Facebook very much because I every Every time, every time I've done it for the last three or four months, I, I'll start scr- scrolling through my Facebook feed and I'll just think to myself, why, why am I doing this? Um, none of this stuff on here is, 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 uh, creating conversations about this stuff. It's just, it's just people screaming into a void. Um, and so I have a hard time posting anything because I don't want to contribute to that kind of conversation. Um, I'll, uh, most of the stuff I post are, it's, it's fun. It's lighthearted. It's nothing super serious or important. Um, because everyone feels like everything they say is the most important thing, even, even the little stuff that they say. And, and I think that's, that's, um, 
that was the beauty of social media, but I think it's a major drawback of social media is everybody has pretty much equal voice. Um, but then not everyone understands just because they have an equal voice that everything they say is, has the same importance. So I don't, uh, I, there are certain aspects of social media that, that I use on um, Facebook's messenger. I use quite a bit, a lot, all my friends are on Facebook. And so we use, um, the Facebook messenger to communicate. I've got five, six or seven different, uh, chat groups going on in Facebook about actually about different topics. They've got one, it's a group of me and my youth ministry friends that, um, we talk about and discuss deep theological conversations. <laughs> DTC, deep theological conversations is what it is. And we'll, someone will post a question and we'll talk about it and get into debates. But that same group of friends, we've got another one. <laughs> it's called Happy Fun Guys. And it's for um, everything else, all the, the fun, weird stuff that we, we talk about. It's, it's not deep. It's not thoughtful. Um, I've got one just for... Uh, me and the guys that play Xbox on a weekly basis, we we organize and talk about the games that we're playing, um, and I've got one for uh, those that I share my Plex with, so I can tell them when the server is up or down, um, and you know, so and I also use it for, for I think I use it more for communication rather than organization. Um, I, there's there's other tools that I use. My phone is more of my organizational tool. Um, than, than Facebook. And I don't do any shopping on Facebook. Um, Amazon, it was more revolutionary for that. All right. Here's, here's, <laughs> here's the one that was talking about technology. 53% would rather give up their sense of smell than give up their technology. Yeah. I, I like my sense of smell. I don't, I don't think I would say that. I don't think tech, no, technology is a big part of my life, but I'm, I, I hope that I'm um, self-aware enough to understand that it isn't all, ev- it isn't all of life. Um, and so uh, if if you had to take away the X, um, if you if someone had to come in and take away my computer and Xbox and TVs and stuff like that, the conversation wouldn't be, okay, take away my if, if you can take away my sense of smell and give that stuff back, I would just, no, 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 no. The conversation would be, um, why is this happening? Um, actually, and the conversations would probably happen more before that because it'd probably be about government coming in, taking it, or, you know, there, there'd be a, a whole, that, I don't know, it, it just seems like a ridiculous, ridiculous question to ask. So, but no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I am in the 47%. I would not give up my sense of smell. Um, all right. This one, demonstrate respect only after they are treated with respect. And I think this is something that um, is one of the main conflicts between our gener- the millennial generation and some of the older generations. If you go, um, I, may, I may post this uh, in, in the notes uh, this week. But if you go up and look at the boomers and uh, matures, um, and, and to some part, the, the Gen Xers, one of the things that about that is they, um, they automatically respect their elders and they automatically res- respect those who are in authority, 
above them. Um, so that they, so they are expecting to be, they are, they expect immediate respect because they are in the position, um, they are now at the age of those that they automatically respected and listened to. As millennials, we were raised by Gen Xers, and Gen Xers tended to question everything. Um, and yeah, so so we were to, we were taught to question everything, and we were also taught to. Um, respect those who were deserving of respect. Um, we were, we were, um, well, I think this kind of goes in with, if I jump down to, um, well, the next two, they've always been told they're special, uh, uh, hard work, work hard and you can be anything, uh, and they feel entitled and their pers and their perspectives are often based on the unfounded sense of superiority and deserve it, deservingness. So they question everything. That is how they grew up. Yeah. So I, th I think these four things are kind of intertwined here. Um, this idea, uh, I think some of that entitledness comes from, you know, we were, we were taught, sorry, I'm going to go back on, remember, this is me processing, so some things are going to change as I talk. So when, when we grew up, at least when I grew up, um, I was taught to respect those in authority above me, um, that I was, I, I had to respect those people above me. Um, sometimes that worked out. Sometimes it didn't. Um, sometimes the people that were above me weren't, weren't very good at their job or weren't worth respecting or something happened. Or I'd hear my parents come home and, and complain about, about certain people. So, um, there, there's a, there's kind of a conflict here. Uh, in in how how our makeup is, we've got this we've got this one side. You no, know, expecting people to you know we were expected to respect people, and I think that's part of where some of that entitledness comes from. Is you know we were expected to respect people blindly, um, and so we expect people to deal with us blindly. Okay, that that we should be accepted just as we are all the time, um, and if you don't ex if you don't accept us the way that way we are at this moment, we have we don't want to have anything to do with you. I definitely feel that. Um, I I definitely struggle with people who don't give me the time of day, and my attitude definitely is if. Um, they aren't willing to listen to me. I'm not willing to say anything to them. I'm not going to waste my words on somebody who isn't willing willing to listen to me. So that there's part of that entitledness with that, and I think I think part of that comes from you know being being taught to um, 
respect respect the people that are above us and the way it comes out is we're supposed to respect them blindly so we expect ourselves to be um to be accepted the way we are but we are also taught to question everything um and so one of the questions that ends up coming out you know especially when we when we're taught to respect automatically respect our elders and we see people that are older than us do really dumb stupid things and not not change and cause a lot of problems the first thing we have to ask is well why do we have to respect them they don't just because they're older doesn't mean they know best sometimes the younger people do know best as long as they're doing the work and being thoughtful about it and you know and and not you know if we're respecting you um and doing the work ourselves just that doesn't doesn't mean we aren't automatically wrong just because we're young um and and that that passage from Timothy uh definitely um backs that up that just because we're young doesn't mean that people should look down on us or automatically think that we're wrong or opinions don't matter so we so since we we question everything we question how people um should be respected um respect is is a precious commodity to us <laughs> look at that i'm saying us already um res- but to me respect is definitely a, a a precious commodity um so it's not something that is given out lightly or is given out to just anyone um because respect is respect is humanizing um re- respect shows that you value a person um and so i i definitely have a hard time um responding responding with respect to those who do not respect me um especially if maybe just because I'm a millennial or just because I'm young um so there's i i definitely feel the weight of these four parts of my of my upbringing or of my of my psyche of feeling that um people should respect me for what i know because i know what i know and i have i have done the work to know what i know and they don't not everybody understands the work that i've gone through now i'm willing i'm not i don't want people to just blindly accept accept me accept that i know what i'm talking about um but i i expect them to at least listen to me <laughs> um and to at least try to figure out if this is something that I know about and not just dismiss me out of hand because I'm I'm young. Um so I guess I guess we could call that uh uh entitled. Uh, I don't necessarily feel superior or deserving of anything other than just being considered a person. Um but I but in addition to that, I definitely feel the weight of questioning whether somebody really deserves respect 
um, or is worthy of of respect or um, and 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 responding in kind. Now, and that's a struggle because is as a, as a Christian um, and with with um, working to continually working to align myself with the will of God. I have to understand that everybody is a person. Everybody is a child of God and everybody is deserving of, of the respect that I, I can give them. Everybody, even those that don't respect me. Um, so I, I, I don't appreciate being tossed in here, not because it's necessarily how I feel. Cause I definitely feel a tendency to do some of these things, but it's more about, I, I need to change my mind about this. Being able to say this isn't me makes me, you know, so whenever I, this, these kind of things come up, I can say this, this isn't the way I am. I'm going to do something different. Uh, it's, and I might talk about, uh, how to do change in yourself and how, uh, it starts with rules and that, that's a whole other thing. Um, so I, I think, you know, when people talk about millennials and they talk about these things, and you know, these, these kind of things are the things that people really harp on, especially the entitledness and, uh, they don't respect us and they, they question everything and they, that they aren't willing to leave things as they are, um, When, when it, it, whenever people try to throw me in with this, what really bugs me is some of these things I'm trying to change and I'm trying to counteract. Um, and without understanding the struggle it is for me to, to deal with some of these things, people just dismiss me um, and basically... Um, ignore any work that I'm trying to do. It takes everything that I'm trying to do and just re- re- reduces it to nothing. Like I haven't, I haven't done anything. Um, and it's really unfair. It's I'm not, I'm not really sure how to describe it. It's, it's very, it's very crushing. And uh, man, I just took the wind out of myself. Uh, just the, just the, I just took the air out of me uh, because that's if if everything that I've I've been doing to try to make myself a a a a person worth being around is useless, then my my two my two choices are to give up on trying to do what I'm doing or not be around you. Um, and so my, so I choose to not be around you because I feel God has called me to, to changing what I'm changing. And I'm, I'm following his calling in my life and not, not the people around me. Um, and sometimes that means that there are certain people I'm not going to be around because they are a stumbling block to me. So I, I know there's a lot of rambling. There's a lot of ins and outs in that one. I hope, I hope that made, that made some sense. I see we're at almost 40 minutes here and there, there's a lot more we could cover. Um, uh, 
uh, don't feel they have to pay their dues. I think part of this is, um, part of it is that expecting respect. So we, um, we were taught that, um, people in certain places, we, we just need to expect them to do what they are or to, to do what they do. Um, and yet growing up, we were told we could do anything, um, and, and be anything. Um, so feeling like we don't have to pay our dues, we've, we've seen people, um, our entire lives just get, get respect or get authority just because of where they are. Um, so why shouldn't the same thing happen to us? I, I, you know, I think part of that is it is a reaction to people just saying, "Oh, you're you're just young. You you don't understand that." When when they um, when they certainly do, uh, people don't give young people a lot of credit. Whether they forget they forget about what they how they were when they were young, or they remember too well how they were when they were young. Um, like for me, going back to high school, I was definitely an idiot in high school, but I, I wasn't stupid. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, there are certain things that I didn't know what I was talking about, but there are certain things that I really did know what I was talking about. Um, I don't necessarily feel this way. Um, I mean, other than you know, I'm a youth pastor now, and. There, <laughs> so there, there should be some stuff that comes from that kind of that kind of position. Um, I do understand that some of those relationships I have to build. Um, so I don't know. I I do and I don't feel that. Uh, but I think part of I think part of the reason why this generation feels that way has a lot to do with that kind of that conflict I was talking about earlier. Um, and, you know, seeing people who were expected to have respect, you know, even though they didn't seem to do anything, they, um, so we should be expected to have respect without seeming to do anything either. You know, whether, anyway, um, most diverse and less prejudiced generation of all time, um, if you look at some of the things that we haven't even grown up, it was talking about loving everybody um, and, and, and literally everybody. And we, we can definitely see uh, the prejudices and injustices that happen around us. Um, part of that's from that questioning everything and not, not accepting the authority of everyone above us who says this about this person. Um, I, I can definitely see that. Um, I, I think yeah, I'll I'll talk about this. I think sometimes our generation applies the the diver, the most diverse and less prejudiced aspects of them incorrectly, uh, and I may talk about that at some point. But I I can definitely I can definitely see that um, we're becoming good savers. <laughs> Certainly not me. I'm I'm not a saver. My wife is a saver, and she's she's been <laughs> teaching me about that. Um, 
soon dictate the terms and conditions of all brands. I, I kind of feel like that is something that is, that has already happened. Um, believe in good service. Yeah, I've never actually walked out of business for bad service. Um, so I am, but I do, I do believe that if I'm, if, if I do have bad service, I won't go back. Certainly. Uh, would rather lease a car than buy one. That's not me. It doesn't seem to make financial sense. I, I'd rather, I'd rather own it. Uh, so I own a car and I own a house. So the other one is they prefer to rent an apartment rather than buy a house. Um, there, there's some reasons for that. You know, talking about leasing a car, um, a lot of people in my generation just kind of think that, okay, we're going to have a car payment. You know, my parents have a car payment. That's just going to be a part of life. So if I'm going to have a car payment, why don't I just lease a car? Um, it's, this payment's going to be the same. And then every three years I switch it out and get a new one. It's like, a it's a car subscription service. <clears throat> um, uh, there people used to do that with computers and, and projection units. You would you just pay as a company a, a certain amount of time. They would they would repair it and, and make sure it stayed working. And then every once in a while they they bring in a new one. It's that it's a kind of subscription service for a car. Same as for a house. Uh, and you know when you're budgeting, having a having a set payment every month makes budgeting really easy. And because you know this is what I have to pay and. So I, I can see where that kind of thing makes sense, but I know that from a financial standpoint, that doesn't necessarily make sense for me uh, and for how and I could I can spend a lot less money on a car owning it than owning it outright and not having the, the latest thing than um, paying a monthly thing for it. All right. This one's interesting. Live their lives both locally and globally. Um, and actually, the next the next slide here talks about um that forty-two percent of millennials consider themselves a citizen of the world, uh, and I think, especially for Christians, I think this is something that we really should think about. A lot of a lot of Christians in America, um, you uh, equate being American with being a Christian, and I, I think that's that's incredibly diluted because we. We aren't citizens. Well, we're citizens of God's kingdom first, and God's kingdom not is not only expands, it not only goes across the world, but goes across time. So all all the way back to the first Christians and and those that that um, received the righteousness of God uh, prior to Jesus coming, we are a part of that kingdom. Um, so limiting limiting our view of of not only the part of the, the kingdom we're a part of but those we are to reach to just America is 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 incredibly diluted and I, I I definitely can see that can see this um I don't but this this my view isn't necessarily because of Technology. I, well, I can definitely see how technology is is bringing distant things at a distance much closer to each other. But my attitude about this has more to do with my faith than um, uh, the social the, the the social aspects of of things around me. Um, 
And then he talks about things that uh, millennials desire in the workplace. And and for me, uh, and this is this is me and my wife are different. My wife, my wife prefers a a traditional nine to five job. She's actually part of the eleven percent that pref- that prefers a traditional nine to five job. Me, I I can do a traditional nine to five job, but having my own schedule makes a lot more sense to me because I, part of the way my brain works is I, I'm thinking about this thing now that I'm thinking about something else another time. Uh, and so I tend to forget things. And so if I don't work on it, as I'm thinking about it, it sometimes doesn't get done. Um, so being able to have that flexibility makes sense. Now, um, for a long time, I would do a lot of my work here at home. Um, I know that's one of the things that's on here. I'd possibly work some at home. No, the reason I worked at home was because I could get the work done faster here at home because our church had really bad internet and my computer at church is very slow. Um, at the time they had, oh, it was three megs down and one meg up. Where here at home, I had 30 down and five up. So I'd be at the church trying to do something in the internet, and it would take me it take me an hour. It take me an hour to get it done. Sometimes it was just uploading pictures. It would take me an hour to get everything done that I needed to get done. Where I could come home, I could drive 10 minutes home, and get it done in about 20 minutes. And so I actually cut the time. It was actually quicker for me to drive home and do it here than it was to stay at the church and do it. Um, but sometime last year we got new internet there so it's 10 down and one up i believe so not great but much better and for basically most of this year i've actually i i I got my my office rearranged and since i've done that i've actually been staying at the church for an entire day i haven't felt the need to come home and do something because i could do it quicker there i still have a slow computer i'm still dealing with that but just having faster internet has made me more productive and more efficient in the in the work that I'm doing. Um, and so that's the immediacy of technology. and part of that is having the right the right the right um, access to technology. Now if if I'm expected to do certain things, I need to be able to have access to, the right equipment to do it. Um, so part of my job is doing stuff on the internet. I do stuff with the church's website. I do stuff with my students online and, and a lot of these things. So it, it kind of a requirement to, to have a good connection to the internet. Um, so having, having a work environment that suits how I work has made a big difference in my productivity. Um, and, and I think that may be where some businesses are struggling um, is they're moving to more online technologies. Um, and yet what they're using to access that technology is so outdated that it is actually making it difficult to use what it is they want us to use. Um, yeah. Um, so that's that's a little bit about that. 
They they want they will work hard, but they want to know where their work is going, how it fits into making a better world. Um, I I can definitely see this, and this has to do with um, making what we do worthwhile. Um, understanding that the skills that we have are valuable, and the skills that other people have is invaluable, and not wanting to waste our time. Um, I I think I think I think that's a part of being respectful. Um, not expecting, expecting something to do something dumb and stupid, um, is saying to that person, you are only worth doing something dumb and stupid. Um, but saying to some, somebody, what you're doing is important and it's going to make a difference here is telling them what you're doing, you are important and you're worth doing something that is going to make a difference. Um, And I think that's why millennials, certainly me, put a a high price on their time and on their skills, um, because they are very protective of how it is used, um, and very protective of the quality of work that they do. Um, and if if you can't guarantee that the work is going to be used for something important and something useful, um, we're not going to waste our time. We there's other things that we we think are more important. I I certain I, I definitely feel that way. Um, it's something I struggle with because just because I don't think it's important doesn't mean that somebody else doesn't think it's important or they may think it's important. So. It, it it is it is my it is part of my responsibility to interact with other people and understand what is important to them, uh, and then make that important to me. Um, so that I can definitely see a struggle, just struggle with that. Um, yeah, more of this stuff is. Anyway, so those are just a few of the thoughts that I've had about millennials and how it relates to me over the past week. I know it's a lot. This is kind of a long, long episode, which balances out the really short episode that I had last week. Um, but I think I think this is important, and you know one of the one of the main struggles that you know that we were actually talking about at the dad challenge was. Um, communicating across generations, um, and you know, part of splitting people in these generations is we we naturally split people up by labels. At some point, I'll talk about labels and how they're good and how they're bad, and you know how some things shouldn't be labeled, but some things you 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 can't not label. Um, but uh, the natural tendency of of labeling people is saying that you and I are different. Um, now different isn't always bad, but we tend to overlook how we're similar, and we tend to tend to think that just because we're different, we can't 
work together or get along or come to a consensus about something or even talk about something. Um, and I think that is, that is, that is incorrect. Um, so talking about how can we begin to build bridges across these generations so that we can work together um, and be more effective in the things that we do. And the first part of that is just having a basic understanding of where the other people are coming from. So that's all I have for today. I know this is a rather rather long episode, but thank you for uh, listening and, and getting this far. If you want... Um, if you want to know more about how I process things, check out my podcast at jeremycoggins.com. There's a, there's a tab at the top that says VPU Podcast. You can go back and listen to the other episodes I have, or you can just look at some of the other things that I'm working on. I've got websites that I take care of. I've got music that I listen to. You can look. You can. There's a link on there to the to my church and the youth ministry that I have. Um, so basically, anything that I'm doing, you can look at on there. Uh, Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you again next week.